Well, good morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. We're glad that you're here. We are in week number two of a five-week series, and this uh, we have so much information to get you today to help you out. If you're a note-taker or you want to take some notes, and I hope you do today, um, you can find the link on our Facebook page, and you can get to that and be able to take some notes. And uh, you have to have an email address to use that link, but it will as soon as you hit submit, it will send the information to your uh, uh, email immediately upon the submission. So here we go. Last week we talked about this. We said this, that yesterday does not have to define tomorrow, but it can define tomorrow. And if left unattended, it will define your tomorrow every single time. We talked about this last week, how you have in your life an event that happens. We'll call it event A, whatever that is. It happens, and then you have some kind of feeling we jump to see. That's some kind of feeling about the event, some kind of action because of it, uh, some kind of reaction, all of that. So it seems like we go from the event straight to our feelings and our actions and our reactions. That's what happens, but... There's something missing there. We'll get to that in a moment. Let me give you an example of this. So let's say uh, somebody, we're going to take two people, somebody, uh, first, the first person, they walk through the garage and a spider lands, it drops down and lands on their hand. And if they're a normal person, they're going to freak out a little bit, jump back, and, and they're going to be afraid. Their heart's going to be beating faster, and they're going to look for something to squish it, a shoe or a flip-flop something, a magazine, something to kill that spider, right? That's what they're going to do. That's going to, the event happened. It was a spider. Their feelings, oh, I'm afraid. They jump back, their actions and reactions, all that. They kill it, kill it, kill it. I got to get rid of it. That's the first person. Here's the second person. The event happens. They're walking through the garage. A spider lands on their hand, and they're like, oh, a spider. And they lean in close to kind of look at it and study it. They're kind of cool with it. And then they just kind of let it go, and they walk on to go about their business. Very different reaction, right? The same event, but two completely different reactions, two completely different feelings related to that. What is the difference? Well, we know there's a letter missing, and that's the difference. It's the B. The B is the different part, and the B stands for our beliefs. You see, we don't have to think about those beliefs. They're in there, they're in our lives, this belief, but the event happens and our beliefs interpret that event and tell us how to feel, what to do, what to think about it, how to react, how to respond. Our beliefs tell us what to do. The only difference between those two people, it's not the event. So the spider did not make them feel that way. The spider did not make them react a certain way. Same event, different reactions. The only difference is what they believe. The first person believed, ooh, that spider might hurt me, or that spider might bite me. I saw Spider-Man, he got bit by a spider, and oh, wait, no, that's, that, we might want that. We want, we want to be Spider-Man. But we say the spider could hurt me, it could harm me. That's what they believe. But the second person, they were an entomologist. They studied bugs. And they look at it, and they're like, oh, spider it helps my garage. It kills all the other little flying insects and all this and all that and all the whatever entomologists talk, blah, 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 blah. It's good. 
their beliefs. It's the only thing different. They believe differently. The first person believed he would be harmed by the spider. The second person believed the spider could help his garage ecosystem. (laughs) That's the difference. It's in the belief. Here's what all that means. No one in your life can make you feel a certain way. I know we think that because we see that person and they, we say, you make me feel so. Or they made me feel, I hate that person. They make me feel, we say those things. But the reality is that person, that event, that circumstance has no power to make you feel anything or to make you do anything. The only thing that has power over your feelings and your actions, it's that thing that we don't even know is there, but it's functioning. It's the B, it's the belief that is deep down inside your heart that tells you how to feel about that person, how to react and how to respond to that person or that event. It's all about your beliefs. Now, that's a lot of power. These things that we don't even think about that are deep down in our heart have so much power over our feelings and over our actions. And that's what this series is all about. We're calling it semicolon. Yesterday does not have to define your tomorrow. Yesterday does not have to define your actions and your reactions in your life. But it will every single time if you don't do something about it. It will define your tomorrow every single time. You can change your actions, but you have to change your beliefs. You can change your feelings but you have to change your faulty beliefs. Here's how Jesus put this. We used this verse last week. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, James will have it on the screen for us. It says this, verse 18, but whatever comes out of the mouth, it says, comes from the heart. In other words, your actions, your behaviors, your reactions, those things that you do, they come Whatever comes out of your mouth comes from your heart, your beliefs. That's where your beliefs, your beliefs live. They live inside of your heart, deep in your heart. And Jesus says, everything you do, everything you say, it all comes from your beliefs deep in your heart. He says, that's what makes us unclean. What is living deep in our hearts, those beliefs. He said, all of your evil thoughts, all your evil and wrong behaviors, your feelings that are bad, they all come from your heart because that's where your beliefs are stored. And this series is all about changing your tomorrow. It's all about changing the way you feel. It's all about changing your actions, your attitudes, your reactions. But the only way to do that is if we change our beliefs. Now, beliefs, they don't just happen. They, they don't just happen. We have taken those and we have placed them deep inside of our heart. They don't just happen. We've put them there. Now, if we're going to change these beliefs, it's not going to necessarily happen quickly because you've placed those beliefs in your heart right now and it took a long time for you to get them there and it may take some time to make change. But I I will be honest, some of these beliefs you placed in your heart, it took you years to get them there. But I will tell you this, they may not change in a day, but I do believe God can begin to change these beliefs in our hearts in a matter of weeks if we'll do what we're talking about today. 
So it may not be quick. You may be looking for a quick fix, like you want it changed today. You need it changed today. You want it changed tomorrow. You, you, you want it different immediately. That's kind of like a microwave. If you, if you want to cook a great meal, I don't know anyone who cooks amazing five-course, five-star meals in the microwave. I mean, they might warm up some spaghetti. They might warm up an old meal that was, but they're not, you don't get amazing, amazing meals out of the microwave. It just didn't happen. And if we want microwave beliefs, they're not going to change us. I mean, you might see a little difference in a moment. I mean, you can look on Pinterest and Facebook and pick up a good saying and say, oh, that saying is so good, but it's not going to change your life. It's not. It hasn't, has it? It's not. That's a microwave belief. Now, there's some great sayings on Facebook. I love, I love a lot of them. They're, they're great. But what we're talking about today is something you will put deep inside of your heart, and it will change you if you'll let it happen. So if you're going to have a five-course meal, amazing kind of change in your life, it's going to take some preparation. If you're going to have that, if you, don't, if you want microwave change, you might as well just eat some popcorn. That's as good as it's going to get. But if you want something amazing, amazing change in your life, if you don't want to feel that way anymore, if you don't want to behave and act and react that way anymore, it's going to take some preparation. What's it going to take? It's going to take more, a lot more. It's going to take more preparation than you have so far. It's going to take more time than you've given it so far. It's going to take more effort than you have made so far. It's going to take more energy than you have given it so far. It's going to take more thought and, yes, even more action. It's going to take more. But we want more, don't we? I know I do. So it's going to take more. So, if you don't want yesterday to determine your tomorrow, then we're going to have to stop giving God our leftovers. We're going to have to stop saying, God, I'll let you change me here. I've worked hard all week. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've worked for me. I've worked for my family. But I've got a little bit left for you. We're not going to be able to approach it that way. We're going to have to stop giving God our leftover time and our leftover energy and our leftover whatever we have left after we give the best of ourselves to everything else. It's going to take some more. If you want change, it's going to take more. And this morning we're going to suggest this, more surrender. Now let's just kind of equate the word surrender to death. If I'm going to surrender, I have to die to myself. I have to die to my way, doing things my way. And the more I hold high my way, the more I hold my standard the way I want to do it above everything else and even above what God wants, then the stronger my faulty beliefs grow inside of my heart and the more yesterday continues to define my tomorrow. I have to die to myself. I have to start killing these dangerous beliefs. Let me give you the bottom line right off the bat. Here's the bottom line this morning. If you're taking notes, it's in the note taker's guide. Change takes everything, but it gives you so much more than you can ever imagine. Change takes everything, but it will give you so much more than you could ever imagine. That's the bottom line. We're going to work and see how scripture proves this to be true. So submission, what's it going to take? 
the preparation, we're not even getting to the change yet. The pre- getting ready to change, the preparation is going to take four things. Here's the first thing. Preparation is going to take this. If you're taking notes, number one, we will have to surrender. What is that? Die to myself. We will have to surrender daily. I'm saying I give up God. I have tried this. I've done it my way and and it's just not working. I've done it the fun way. I've done it the most, what I thought was the most rewarding way for my life. But the Bible says my way, the Bible gives it a word, a very specific word. It's kind of harsh. The Bible says my way is sin, doing my life and ignoring God's way. The Bible says that's sin. We have to surrender daily, every single day. This is not something you do once and then the change is going to flow for the rest of your life. Every single day I have to surrender my way. Say, God, my way is not working. Today I'm going with your way. That's number one. So what's number two? Number two is this. Number two says this, if you're taking notes, we have to surrender, not only daily, that's number one. Number two, surrender your mind. Surrender your mind. My mind, the studies, the studies tell us that, that it takes more than three weeks to replace a bad habit with a good habit. It takes about three weeks or a little bit longer to do that. And the same thing is true with me trying to replace these behaviors. So I'm not telling you this is going to take years out of your life for this to work. If you do what we're talking about today, it'll take weeks. And you'll see changes happening in your life as you replace faulty beliefs with new beliefs, God's beliefs. You see, it all happens here in our mind. What I think about throughout the day over and over and over and over again, you know what happens to that thought? It becomes a belief in my heart. It lodges itself in my heart. And so when we submit our mind to God, we're saying, God, I can't stop thinking about these wrong things. You know the things I think about? I think about, Harley, you are an idiot. Harley, you are a dork. Harley, you are stupid. You can't do that. You don't. I think about those thoughts all the time. And you know what happens? They go in my heart and I begin to believe them as truth. And I'm saying, God, I'm surrendering my mind saying, God, I cannot stop these thoughts. I need your help because these thoughts are going into my life as a belief and I need your help in this playground of my mind because what you think about you begin to believe so that's number two this is all preparation just getting ready for change number three here's what we're going to ask you to surrender number three if you're taking notes surrender your passion. Now, what occupies your mind and my mind, most of my waking thoughts, I have to ask myself this, are those thoughts and those beliefs that are deep down in my heart, are they worthy of my passion? And my passion is my all, my strength, my soul, my might, my mind, my will, it's my all. Are those beliefs worthy of my passion? I have to look deep inside at these things I've been believing in. I have to ask, is that worthy of my passion? Or am I, am I giving my passion toward faulty, wrong, false beliefs? I need to ask myself that. If I want real change, lasting change, I can't just take a dip into change. I will tell you this though today, as you try this out, 
you can dip into this to try it out, and that is okay. But if you want lasting, deep, long change for your tomorrows, it's going to take more. And here's number four. Number four, here's what it's going to take. Number four doesn't like to stand up, so number four is going to be crooked. Here's what it's going to take. We'll set him in there like that. Number four, it's going to take total immersion. That means I've got to keep reviewing this. I can't just dip my toe in the water and say, I'll give it a shot, I'll give it a try. No, if I want long-lasting, deep change, eventually I'm going to have to totally immerse myself into this process of allowing God to take my false beliefs and replace them with His truth. Total immersion. I mean, if I just dip in and I'm just trying out this belief thing, here's what I'm doing. It's just like me taking my shirt and putting it on over a dirty shirt. That dirty shirt's still there. There might be one that's a little newer looking on the outside, a little cleaner, smells a little better, but the dirty one's still under there. And with your beliefs, you could try on a belief and you might see a little help, a little bit of result through the day. But if you want long lasting, deep change in your life for your tomorrows to come, you've got to take the dirty shirt off and then just put on the clean one. That's total immersion. You can't just test it out. You have to immerse yourself into God's truth. That's what we're suggesting here with number four. Not something that's just going to cover up an old belief that you still hold. To get that old belief out, you actually have to immerse yourself into God's truth. So here's what we're saying. If you commit to surrender to God daily, surrender your mind, that's your thoughts, surrender your, uh, surrender your passion to Him, and totally immerse yourself, not just dip your toe in the water, but immerse yourself into this process, you will see amazing change in your tomorrows. It's going to happen if you do it. Now, let's jump into God's Word. Here's what the Bible tells us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, he's, uh, James is going to have it on the screen for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. Here we go. It says this. So you must live as God's obedient children. That's what he's telling you here. Don't slip back into your old ways. It's so easy to happen. What we're saying, well, you, you, you can experience a little bit of change and then go back to your old beliefs. He's saying don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires you didn't know any better then. In other words, he's saying you didn't used to be that way. You're different now. And I can tell you this, no matter what is holding on to your life, no matter what is crushing you right now and has a grip on you right now, you have the potential to say, oh, that used to be me. I'm not that way anymore. You have that potential. He says in verse 15, but now you must be holy in everything you do. That's the standard. He says, take God's truth, holiness, his holiness, and that's what you do. Just as God who chose you, guess what? You are not here by accident today. God has you here for a purpose. He has chosen you. He chose you, Peter says, to be holy. You know what that means? God wants you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be satisfied with the way things are now. He wants you to be like him. And then in verse 16, 
For the scriptures say, you must be holy as I am holy. God is saying, you must be holy as I am holy. Now here's the goal of every Christ follower as stated by God. Here's what he wants. He wants you to be holy as he is holy. Let me put that in our language today. God wants you to look like him. Not physically. He wants your heart to look like his heart. He wants your attitudes to look like his attitudes, your actions to look like his actions, your reactions to look like his reactions, your thoughts to look like his thoughts. That's what he wants. That is the goal of every believer is to be transformed into the image of Jesus, the kind of person that God intended you to be. That's that's the goal. He created you in his image. He wants you in his image. And that means this, I must change all the beliefs in my heart so that they reflect God's beliefs in his heart. That's what that means. That means if I'm serious about this, I must do an inventory of my heart and let it reveal my actions and my attitudes And I have to identify those behaviors that must change. So are you ready? If you're taking notes, there's a lot of notes to take today. Let's roll. If you want this change, everything I have said up to this point is preparation for these steps that are now going to follow. I'm going to give you five steps. Five steps. We so rarely break things down into steps. I just don't see a way around this. Five steps this morning. Here we go. Let's start with step number one. Step number one says this. Identify a behavior that needs to change in your life. Don't do this for your husband or your wife (laughs) or your children. In your own life, identify a behavior that needs to change. In other words, a behavior... A behavior that is not what God wants. So I'm going to use myself this morning as an example. And it's going to hurt me. But I'm using me. I'm going to just show you how these steps work. And I'm going to be your example. God will allow you to use these steps in your life in some way. Step number one for Harley. Identify a behavior that needs to change. Here's my example. In my life, I have misused food. I know that's a shocker. I know you can't believe that. I know you've, you haven't seen me at the buffet, right? I eat too much. Harley, I eat too much. I don't use moderation. That's the behavior. Now, simply identifying a behavior, I mean, that's not enough. I've got to figure out, what is the why do I think it's okay to do that? What is my belief in my heart that says it's okay? Because Jesus says, out of my heart overflows all of my actions. Out of my beliefs in my heart, that's where all of my actions come from. So what is the belief inside? So here's the example for me. I can't say this for you. This is for Harley. I'm giving you an example of step number one for me. Identify behavior that needs to change for me. What is the belief behind why I eat the way I eat? And here's what I discovered. First of all, I eat when I get physically 
tired. I eat. I eat when I get emotionally tired. I'm not too tired to eat. (laughs) I eat when I get emotionally tired. I eat when I don't feel my best. That's when I eat too. When I eat, I really enjoy it. And in that moment, it makes me feel better. Now, the reality is I don't really feel better. I feel better for a second. I don't feel better for the rest of the day. I just feel better for a moment, not for my life. So really feeling better, that's really a lie. I know that. But in that moment, in that second, I do feel better. And here's what I tell myself. Well, Harley, I have worked hard this week. I really have worked hard. I deserve it. It may even be all week. Maybe I worked hard that morning. I deserve it. Or maybe I say, listen, Harley, I have been through the emotional ringer. I deserve it. It's okay. So even though that action of me eating really bad amounts of food and bad food, even though I know it's not best for me, I tell myself it is okay because I deserve it. And then I tell myself, you know what, this is, these are the beliefs going on in my heart. If it's good, I better get all I can get because I may not get it tomorrow. So I better get more if it's good. And then I also tell myself this, Harley, once you put it on your plate, you have to eat it all because it's wasteful to leave it. That's what I tell myself. And there, behind all of those actions, there is a deep belief in my heart that somewhere along the road I have placed there. Here's some of those beliefs. I'm just, and I'm just speaking for me here. I'm, I'm giving you an example of how you identify and what you do with this behavior. So here's some of those beliefs. The beliefs are this. It's okay for me, Harley, to do something that will hurt me physically if I've worked hard. It's okay to do this if I've worked hard. Here's another belief that I have that's leading me to say this is okay behavior for Harley. It's okay to do something that will hurt me if I've been hurt by somebody else. In other words, somebody hurts me that day, says something, does something, it's okay for me to abuse my body by eating things that I shouldn't eat and amounts of food that I shouldn't eat. It's okay for me to do that. Belief. I better eat it now because I don't know if I'm going to get any more. And then I also better eat until I physically can't eat anymore. Listen, I did not grow up during the depression, but I still have this belief in my heart. Isn't that strange? Guess what? I put it there. I put it there. Here's the last belief I want to share. If I leave food on my plate, I've wasted it, and bad people waste food. That is a belief in my heart. Now, all of those beliefs I've just shared are what in my heart tells me it's okay for me to do something that I know is not what God wants. Those beliefs tell me that it's okay, so I do it. Those beliefs were wrong. They're faulty. 
So let me think about this. Let me discover some of the sources. Last week we said there are several sources of our beliefs. Some things we just kind of inherit from our parents. Some things we kind of develop as children or as young adults. And, and some things um, we just kind of grab from our culture. So I look at these beliefs and I say this. Well, you know what? Eating now and eating as much as I can because it tastes so good and it feels good to my taste buds. And I, I, and I, and I, you know, I might not get that good stuff. I'm not sure exactly where I took that belief and placed it in my heart or when that happened. That probably happened for me as a young adult. Um, That's probably when that began to happen. So the belief that says, if I don't eat at all, that I'm being wasteful, um, that belief, that that I kind of got as a child. Now, I'm not saying my parents gave that to me or taught me that. I don't know where I got it, but as long as I have can remember, I have felt that way. So that belief I placed in my heart at a very, very young age. The belief that says when I'm tired that, that it's okay to eat, if I'm physically tired or emotionally tired, I did not do that as a child. And so it didn't, I didn't place that belief in my life as a child. You know what? That, that belief I've, I've placed in my life as a young adult. That's when I placed that in my life. And it didn't happen in college. It happened after college. Because when I was in college, I was 6'2 and 176 pounds. I, I didn't have that belief then. I, I placed that in my life as a young adult. Once you discover something that needs to change, a behavior that needs to change, and the beliefs behind that behavior. And then maybe even if you can, maybe when did you grab those beliefs in your life? If you can determine that, you're ready to go to step number two. Are you ready for step two? Step two says this. It's very simple, but it's hard to do. Step two says, just agree with God that it's not godly. Agree with him. You see, most of us have a problem here, myself included. Because we all like to agree with God and say, yeah, God, that's not really the best for me. I mean, I really shouldn't do that. It's really probably not the wisest thing for me to do, not the best thing for me to do. But you know what we have trouble? We can admit it's not the best. You know what we have trouble admitting? We have trouble admitting that that behavior really is deeply sinful. That's what we have trouble with. You see, I, I want to excuse my behavior away. Well, it's the circumstance. It's okay. God understands because after all, it's really not my fault. I mean, some of these things happened when I was a kid. and I, So that's just the way I am. It happened way back then. It's really not my fault. We can't change though. Here's the key to that. We cannot change what we refuse to own. We have to own this. You know how God says we own it? You know how God says we agree with him that it's not godly? Here's what he says. It's in the Bible. James will have it on the screen for you. 1 John 1.9. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, if we confess these sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And I want to present to you this. I don't have time to break this down, but I want to tell you the Bible tells us our sins are forgiven by the work of Jesus on the cross. They're forgiven. But do you know what? We can be forgiven and we can still be filthy, dirty, needing to be cleansed. Do you know why? My sins may be forgiven 
But if I don't admit to God, God, this is ungodly. I need your help with this. If we don't admit to God and agree with God that this is sin, then he can't go to work in your life cleansing you because you're still hanging on to it. It may be forgiven, but we need God to cleanse us. Do not mistake what I'm saying here to say that God will take your salvation away or you will lose your salvation if you've given your life to Christ. That's not what I'm saying at all because that's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you want to feel clean in your life? Then quit hanging on to it. Quit excusing it and agree with God. God, this is ungodly. Agree with him. That's what this step is all about. You see, admission of this as sin to God, admission of this begins the cleansing process. You see, the problem with this is I'm still trying to be my own boss. I'm still trying to do things my own way. Even though I have given my life to Christ, I have become a Christ follower and submitted my life to Him, and now I'm still trying to be my own boss, even though I know my life is under new management. I'm still trying to do it my way. And I need to be cleansed of that. And it doesn't happen in a mass cleansing saying, God, forgive me of all my sin. No, it happens when I say, God, forgive me of that one. Oh, oh, and that one. One at a time. And in this scenario, I'm taking that one behavior and I'm agreeing with God. God, yes, that is sin. And he begins that cleansing process. That's step number two. Now let's go to number three. Number three says this. You see, let me tell, let me set this up first. Once he begins to cleanse you, you know what? Our hearts get full of that filth, those false beliefs. Our hearts get full of that junk. And as he begins to cleanse us, it kind of empties out some of that junk. And an empty heart, if left empty, is a dangerous heart because it will be filled with something. And that's why we have step number three, because God wants to fill it with the right stuff. And here's step number three. Find scriptures that address the problem behavior. Find scriptures that address the problem behavior. That's step number three. So let's go back to my life as the example. I have a problem with food. I've identified that. I've said, here's the, here's the, the beliefs I have of why I tell myself it's okay to abuse my body that way. It's okay. Here's why I've excused it. And now step number two, I have agreed with God. God, that's wrong. That is not godly. Now step number three, find a scripture that addresses the problem. Now this scripture can address many, many, many different problems. But here specifically... I'm addressing my food problem with this scripture. I'm not saying this is your scripture. I'm giving you my example of my life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. It's going to be on the screen. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You see, I have the freedom to eat any way I want. I have the freedom to eat as much as I want. I have the freedom. 
But God says, don't use that freedom, Harley. Don't use it to satisfy your sinful deeds and actions. Don't use your freedom. Don't use it that way. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. There's the verse. That's my verse right there. That is my verse. We have to learn that the key to resisting these beliefs, the false ones, and from them continuing to be embedded in our hearts, the key is we have to put a new belief in there. And how do we get it in there? We have to think about that during our day. We got to think about it. Because what we think about so often and so long and throughout the day, what we give our enthusiasm to, what's on our mind as we go to bed at night, what's on our mind, what we allow to be on our mind as we wake up in the morning, eventually will lodge its way deep inside of our hearts. So that leads us to step number four. So step four says this. Step four says now that you've identified that scripture memorize the scriptures. Memorize that. I'd say, you, I, I, I can't memorize, you say. But that you're just lying to yourself because yes, you can. We just don't like to memorize. We don't want to memorize. It reminds us of school. We don't want to do it. What's going to happen if you want change in your life? What's it going to take? More. More time, more effort, more energy. More Number four is we have to memorize the scripture. In order for us to replace these old beliefs with a new belief, we have to memorize it over a period of time. Memorize it. You're exercising these new words and these new beliefs. You're thinking about them. And as you think about them, it begins to go into your subconscious world, into your heart, and into eventually into a belief, and it will give way to change, to different actions, reactions, to different feelings. It will give way. How does the Bible word this? Psalm 119, verse 9. James will have it on the screen for you. It says, how can a young person stay pure? And you can add your name in that. How can Harley stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried to find you, and, and, it's, and now it's assuming, yes, and now I have. And it says, don't let me wander from your commands. We'll get to verse 11 in just a moment, but I want to graph for you. How does this change take place? James, if you'll put this on the screen. The first thing is we have thoughts. We think about things all day long, all day long. And in this case, we have someone who looks like Dustin North. He's sitting there reading his Bible. We know it's not Dustin because he's reading his Bible, but I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. So we have, we have somebody reading a Bible there, and they're thinking about this, thinking about this. And the longer you think about it, here's what happens next. James, give us the next one there. It becomes a belief deep in your heart. The more you think about God's truth, the more it gets into your heart. So we're saying think about this specific verse. Think about it. Think about it. Memorize it. Think about it during the day while you're living, while you're walking around. Think about it, and it will get into your heart as a belief. And what happens when it's a belief? Show them, James. When it becomes a belief, here's what happens. It will become a new action, a new feeling, a new reaction, more like the feelings, actions, reactions of Jesus. 
because you thought about it. You thought about it. And it went deep into your heart as a belief and it came out of your life as an action. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? That's how it works. That's step number four. We have one more step. I'm going to ask the band to make their way to the front. Here is step number five. I told you five steps. This is the last step. Here it is. Savor the word. Savor the word by, make, by, by working to understand it as fully as possible. So we don't want you just to taste it. We want you to savor it. Savor the word by working to understand it as fully as possible. And here's how we're going to prove this to you. Verse 11. I told you we were going to come back and get verse 11. James, give him verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I have savored that word. And it has landed by savoring that word. It has landed deep in my heart. And when it's there, new things happen in my life. God, I'm not sinning against you. How do we savor it? Here's what we're suggesting. For you to savor God's word. Let me give you my example for me, okay? Back to my verse about me. What was my behavior? I just eat way too much. I had all my beliefs. We went through all those steps. And now, how do I savor this word? I found the scripture, memorized it here, and I savor it. What's the scripture? It's Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to freedom. Then it says, brothers and sisters... But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. If I'm going to savor this verse, here's how you do it. Take all the main words and make sure you understand what that means in context to this verse. I'm going to give you my example for me. I took each word, that the main words... And here's what it means to me in context of this verse, in context of this problem behavior, this bad belief I've been having. Here's God's good belief. All right, are we ready? Let's, I'm just going to read through this very quickly. So I took the word you. This is for me personally. I might as well just say Harley. Harley, do this. This is you. 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 Harley. The second word, called. Do you know someone is doing the calling? And it is God himself that is calling me in this matter. And I can either answer that call or I can just continue to excuse my behavior and hang up on God. I'm called. The next one, the next major word, live. God wants for me life. He wants me to live. He does not want Harley to be the walking dead. The next major word, freedom. I have the freedom to choose, the freedom to do right, the freedom to do wrong, and freedom is not bondage. But using our freedom of choice will either lead to more freedom, or if I use it wrong, it will lead me to bondage. The next major word, satisfy, to make me happy, to make me content. The next major words there, sinful nature. Whatever I try to satisfy is going to grow in my life and it will demand more. Do I want bondage or do I want freedom? Do I want more of this nasty feeling in my life or do I want Christ-likeness? Whichever one I feed is going to grow. 
Use is the next major word. Use. Make it a tool. Use it. Use it. Make it a tool. The next major word, serve. Don't use, wor- uh, don't use freedom to serve myself and to serve my desires. Serve more. Serve bigger. Bigger than myself. The next major word, one another. Harley, open your eyes. Look, to all the anothers out there, there's one now. The next major word, in love. Harley, not because you have to. Not because you're trying to tip the scale into your favor in God's eyes. No, rather serve because that is what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus did. He served in love. That's what he did. He would just simply love people. Now, love them by serving them instead of serving yourself up another plate. You see how that works? You memorize it, and then you savor it so that you understand every word in that verse and how it applies to your struggle and the new belief that God wants to put in there. You meditate on it. You chew on it. Each word of the verse, and that's how those words become ideas, and they're planted and pressed deep into my heart and your heart as a new belief. Over and over again, as I think about it and chew on it and meditate on it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in my heart as a belief. And the result is this. My tomorrow is changed. Because slowly I began to see things differently, think about things differently. I began to say things differently, do things differently, feel things differently. And how differently? I feel them the way Jesus feels them. Because this is how you become more like Jesus. You say, my old beliefs, and I've got plenty of them in there still. My old beliefs are a beast. They are a beast. And I don't want that beast in my heart. I don't want it in my mind, but it has lodged there because of my mind. And it has become action out of my life. I don't want the beast. I want godliness. I want goodness. But the one that gets stronger in my life, either the beast in my life or the goodness of God in my life, the one that gets stronger will be the one I feed with my thoughts. So, the beast... Or godliness. What you choose to fuel, what you choose to feed, will rule your life. So here's what we're asking you this morning. This week, will you simply look at your life and pick one behavior, just one? One behavior that you believe God wants to begin to change in your life to make it more like Him. So you have, you, so in that area, your thoughts and your actions are more Christ-like. One behavior. Will you pick one behavior and simply work through all five of these steps with that one behavior? Begin that process this week. Will you just try it?
Just try it. One behavior and work all five steps this week. We're going to ask you to surrender every day. Say, God, I don't want my way anymore. I want your way in this, in this behavior. Surrender yourself, your mind, your passion. And then, for this behavior, totally immerse yourself into God's truth. Will you work steps one through five with that behavior this week? You see, we've been holding on to our way for so long, and we've been making excuses of why we're doing it and why we're hanging on to it. And God would understand. But it's just a lie. Because God doesn't want that. Will you let go of this behavior? Let go of your way. And will you allow God to begin to replace that belief in your life? Let's pray. God, you told us. You said, how can a young man stay pure? And you answered it by obeying your word. And our hearts respond, God, we have tried hard to find you. And we did. Now, don't let me wander from your commands. Your words, God, have we hidden in our hearts so that we won't sin against you. We need your help to replace these beliefs that we have held on to for so long. Jesus, it is in your name we pray. Amen.